you have your Bible, would you take it and turn with me to Mark chapter 6? We're going to start in Mark chapter 6 today. And uh, it's so good to see you here. I'm so glad to be able to, to be back up on uh, stage sharing with you. It's been a couple weeks since I've been here uh, on, on platform speaking, but I'm glad to be here. Good to see all of you. Good to see everybody who's joining us online today. We want to thank you uh, for being with us. Would you in the room welcome everybody that's online? Would you give them a, a round of applause? There are people that watch that are listening for what's happening in the room and just that short little uh, applause to welcome them. So thank you for joining us today from wherever you are online. And we've got, uh, I think we've got close to 60 or more adults and students on the fall getaway for our student ministry this weekend um, at Camp Mission Meadows at Chautauqua Lake. So uh, they're not joining us online. They're having their own worship service, but we've got, uh, I think, 60 plus uh, on that trip. So that's just a great thing that's happening uh, here at our church. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever just uh, needed to take a moment for yourself? Have you ever just needed like, like the, the world is swirling around you and have you ever uttered these words? I, I just need a moment. I just need a minute. Like just give me, just give, it may be those, that phrase may be, may come after some other phrases, but you need a moment, right? I just need a minute, right? Calm down, relax. I hear you. I just need a minute. Have you ever wanted the world to stop? Have you ever wanted the world to just slow down? Have you ever wanted the world? Have you ever, have you ever just wanted to get off the the ride? You know what I mean? Like, can we just get off the ride and just relax? Can we just stop and be quiet? I remember at Christmas time, um, I would ask my parents, you know, what do you want for Christmas? Um, and and they would say, and, and my mom would say, peace and quiet. That's all I want for Christmas. Peace and quiet. Anybody have that? Is that on your prayer? Is that on your Christmas list? Peace and quiet, right? You know, as a kid, I never understood that. Never understood. What do you mean peace and quiet? I'm a gizmo and gadget guy. Gizmos and gadgets. You give me gizmos and gadgets, I'm, I'm fine. I'm all day, Christmas day, right? Playing with something, right? Gizmos and gadgets. So I never understood peace and quiet. Never understood peace and quiet until I had kids. I got it. I, in fact, on my list, peace and quiet. Just, just, can we not go anywhere, right? Christmas, what do you want to do Christmas day? Nothing. Just here. Peace and quiet. This month, um, we've been looking at this idea of abiding in Christ. What does it mean to abide in Christ? What does it mean to stay connected? If we're going to grow in our faith and, and develop a connection with God, if we want to develop and deepen our connection with God day in and day out, month in, month out, year after year, decade after decade, over a lifetime, over a lifetime, if we want to deepen our connection with God, what does, that, what does that look like? Jesus gave us some very good instruction in John's gospel, and he simply said this, abide with me, remain in me, stay connected to me. 
And if you stay connected to me, you'll, you'll, you'll love one another. And if you stay connected to me, you'll, you'll follow my commandments. And if you stay connected to me, you'll, you'll grow in the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. If you stay connected to me, this is where the fruit comes from our faith. This is where the love and the joy and the peace. Remember how Paul said this in Galatians? Love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He, he labeled it the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus talks to us and says, if you remain in me, if you love each other, if you stay connected to me, if you follow my commands, you'll have fruit in your life. You'll have evidence of, of a connection with God. You'll have evidence of this deepening walk. You'll have evidence of this fullness of life. So my question over this last month has been, I understand that, but here's the question. How? How do we stay connected? How do we remain in Christ? How do we abide? And in week number one, as we opened this series, we just looked at the simple fact we need to be people who are in the Scriptures. We need to be people who who purposefully find time to have the Scriptures speak to us. I'm not going to tell you how many minutes, moments, or hours that is for you on any given day or any given week. We all have different lives. We all have different temperaments. We all have different attention spans. We all learn differently. I can't tell you a magic number. What I can tell you is God says, be people of his word. The second week, uh, Pastor Scott shared and reminded us that we need to be people of worship. And worship isn't just music. Worship entails uh, a time of connecting with each other together at a certain place on a certain day at a certain time in corporate worship where we read the scriptures together, where we pray together, where we encourage each other, where we admonish each other, where we lift each other up. You don't even understand. You don't, I think we fail to remember the power, the power of the hallway conversations that happen when we gather together on a Sunday morning. Sometimes I think we think this, that what happens in this room is the big deal. And I would tell you that quite often the big deal on a Sunday is what happens in the hallways. What happens as you interact with each other, as you share life with one another, as you stop in a moment and pray for each other, as you just speak words of life to each other. Have you ever had that experience where you come to church and you thought... You thought it was going to be the music or the prayer or the scripture in the room, and it wasn't. It was the word that somebody said to you in the hallway. Hey, you're doing great. Keep it up. You look good. Keep at it. Hey, just want you to know, I saw your social media this week. I saw what's going on. I just want you I'm praying for you this week. Those simple little interactions, speaking life in the hearts of people, it's part of worship. It's part of what we do corporately together. So we looked at abiding, uh, abiding, we got to stay in the scriptures, we got to be connected in worship. We abide in Christ as well through prayer. And last week we launched our 21 days of prayer. And I hope you've been participating in this. Uh, the booklets, we have more booklets available if you want to, if you want to, uh, pick one up and just jump in today. Uh, they're available at the hub. They are available online as well at our website, faceerie.org slash resources. And you can find the booklet. And it's simply laid out with every single day for the next 21 days, for a 21 day period beginning last week. Um, 
to give you a, a scripture verse, a reflection, and some thoughts on how you can pray for that. And, and it just, the, the, the goal was to, was for us as a church body, as a congregation to do something together that reminded us how to abide in Christ. And so together we invited you to participate in this so that if you did, then each day we were reading the same thing together, praying the same things together on the pages. And then we left some blank pages in the back where if you wanted to, you could write down your own prayer request. Now don't look at mine. I'm just telling you. You can write your own, right? But we gave you the opportunity to do that. That you would, that you would write down some things that maybe are going on in your world, in your life, in your heart, in your family. Again, this wasn't, this isn't about a campaign. We're not, we're not announcing a campaign to go do something collectively as a church. Here's the campaign for us. You ready? Let's be a congregation that abides in Christ. That's it. That's the campaign. That's the big push. Can we be people who collectively together, in community on a Sunday, in community during the week, in our, in our uh, group life, whether it's Sunday school, whether it's a, a small group, whether it's a support group, whether it's a life group, whatever it is, can we be people in this church who abide together? In the scriptures, in worship, in prayer. Because when we do this, we understand that this is how we deepen our connection. It's how we deepen our connection to each other. It's how we deepen our connection to God. It's how we grow in our faith. It's how we grow spiritually. It's how we advance in maturity. We discover new things about ourselves when we abide in Christ. All of us go through different seasons of life. And in those new seasons of life, we can discover new things about ourselves as we stay connected to God through Christ. We discover peace. Remember John chapter 14, 15, 16, Jesus, I I just want you to have peace. Peace I give you. I'm leaving my peace to you in this world. If we want peace, we need to be people who abide. We, We learn to love more deeply when we stay connected to Jesus. And so we've been talking about these, these steps or these, these practices, spiritual practice, spiritual disciplines, if you will, disciplines of the inner life. And regardless of what we call it, we're trying to discover the simple practices and routines that we can incorporate in our lives to stay connected. What do we see in the canon of Scripture that serves as, as disciplines to adopt? As we read the Scriptures, what is Jesus doing? What, what, are, what are the apostles doing? What are the disciples doing? What are the prophets doing? What were the, the good judges in the Old Testament? What were they doing in order to be connected to God and be connected to Christ? What did the, the preachers of old preach about that, that we often talk about? What did the early church fathers practice? What did Jesus do? I want, us to, I, I, I want us to be people who look at these disciplines and begin to, to seriously consider what is just the right next step for this season of life that I'm in. Scripture, worship, prayer. Today, I offer you the gift of peace and quiet. 
silence, and solitude. Mark chapter 6, verse 31, verses, uh, yeah, verse 31, Jesus said this. Jesus said to them, his disciples, Jesus said to them, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. Come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they, Jesus and the disciples, had no leisure to even Listen to that verse again. Come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. King James says it this way. Come ye yourself apart, apart into a desolate place, into a desert place. Eugene Peterson in his uh, message says it this way, Jesus said, come off by yourselves. Let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going. You ever feel like that in life? You ever feel like there's just constant coming and going? You ever feel like the pressure of your job, the pressure of your home, the pressure of your your family life? constant coming and going. Uh, we mentioned before, we're empty nesters now. Our, our youngest is, is, is out of the house. And yesterday I was, I was uh, w- w- when our kids were going through high school, I was active uh, in our high school, staying connected to our family unit as much as we could. And, and um, I, I would, I would, uh, my kids played sports, so I would try to find ways to connect in that, right? And so my girls played basketball, and uh, I, would, I got the job as like the bookkeeper, right? You get two points, you get three, you get two, right? The bookkeeper, right? Which was great because that school district actually paid you to do it. And I was like, hey, can't beat this. I'm getting paid to watch basketball. I'm just telling you. So I've seen a lot of bad basketball. I should have been paid to watch that. A lot of bad, am I right? A lot of bad basketball. Just trying to, just trying to stay connected. Yesterday I was, I was, I was doing, I was working a game and uh, I was, I was announcing a football game and I turned to my friend in the booth. It was the last game of the season. And I've already said, I'm done. I'm done announcing. I'm not doing, my kids are gone, right? My kids are, I'm not doing, I'm in a new season of life. I said I'd do this, I'm not, I'm not going to, and I looked at my buddy and I'm like, you know what, man, I am not going to miss this. <laughs> you know why? Because there's going to be a January, a Tuesday night in January when it's snowing outside at six o'clock and I, I don't have to walk across the parking lot anymore to go call a basketball game that I'm not connected with. I get to sit home and eat chili. That's what I'm looking to, forward to. But, but at the pressure of life, right? Like it's constant. It's always something. 
You're always going. That was the point of what I was trying to say. You're always going. Even if you're a parent and you've got kids, you come home from school. If you're in that season of life, right, you're going to the basketball game. You're dropping them off at swim. You're picking them up from gymnastics. You're doing this. And that's just Monday. Right? It's constant. And then in your job, you're just, some of you have really, 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 really important, highly stressful jobs. It's a lot of pressure. And there's a lot of coming and going. Do you ever get to the end of the day and you go, I didn't even eat lunch? Do you ever have that? Guess what? So are the disciples, 6.30, 6.31, right? And they had no leisure to even eat. Couldn't even eat. Didn't even have time to eat lunch. What did Jesus say? Come away by yourself to a desolate place. Rest a while. Anybody in here hear those words, come away and rest, and you get a little nervous? Like you just start to get itchy, right? You're, I don't know. Like, like, so you're asking me to do nothing. And I'm like, yes. And you go, ah, I don't know I can do that. I don't know that I can do nothing. Jesus is asking his disciples. If you go back into the context of Mark chapter 6, back into the context of Mark chapter 6, what's happening here is that Jesus has been in his hometown trying to, trying to teach and, and do what he, he does. He was facing a lot of pushback, a lot of resistance in early Mark chapter 6. And it was a season, it was a season of discouragement for Jesus. In fact, in, in verse 6, it says, he marveled because of their unbelief right? Here's Jesus. He marveled. What did he marvel at? Their unbelief. That's got to be incredibly discouraging. Then, then he gets, he, he sends out the disciples, right? He sends out the 12. He gathers his team and he's like, all right, guys, your turn. You've seen me do all of this. Now it's your turn. You're going to go out and teach. You're going to go out and heal. You're going to go out and, and cast out demons. Your turn. And he sends them out. Then Mark drops this little interlude into this chapter, chapter 6, and he reminds us of the story of John the Baptist and how John the Baptist died. If you, didn't, uh, if, if you don't know, John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. And so this isn't just a story of John the Baptist. This is a story of something that's happening in Jesus' family. And after he hears these reports the 12 come back from their, their ministry assignment, right? They come back, right? They come back from the fall retreat, right? And in verse 30, chapter 6, verse 30, it says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. All they had done and taught. We're all excited. This is everything we did. This is everything we taught. And what was Jesus' response? Hey, go rest. Go take a nap. Go find a, a desolate place. Not celebration. Not let's keep going. Not, not let's gear up again for tomorrow. No. What did he say? Go find a place by yourself. And rest. Simply rest. One of the most important disciplines we can develop is finding rest and peace, quiet, 
silence, and solitude. Jesus is, is, is a, he's inviting his disciples to just stop. In fact, if you, if you look at the, the, the tense, the verb tense of, of this chapter, it's a command. He's commanding you. It's an imperative. I'm, I'm not, so so let, let, let's level the field. Jesus isn't asking you if you would like to go rest. Okay? He's telling you, go rest. Right? Right? Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't covet. Right? The Ten Commandments, right? Uh, don't, don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do these, all these. Other. Oh, and by the way, go rest. Command. Go rest. Go find peace. Go find quiet. Go find solitude. Go find silence. Leisure is important to Jesus. Leisure is important. It's important to him. It's important to him to even just take 10 minutes. Can you give me 10 minutes? I just want to eat my sandwich here. Right? The guys, guys came back. They had, a, they had a, uh, you know, Dave's double from Wendy's. And Jesus is like, I, can't, I don't even have time to eat. Don't even have time to eat. The rest that he's commanding of the disciples and that he's commanding of us is not something that he didn't do himself. Jesus rested. It was something, it was a command that came out of his own personal experience. In, um, in the Gospels, we see this throughout the New Testament. We see the writers describing how Jesus would steal away to a quiet place, a desolate place, looking for rest, looking for focus, trying to settle his own emotions. Jesus was trying to rest from, to prepare for, and to seek out. In, uh, I got a little, I think we got a little chart here. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, Jesus goes into the wilderness. Jesus goes into the wilderness, and what's he doing? He's preparing himself for his ministry, right? What is the first thing he does? Before he even ministers to anybody, what's the first thing he does? He goes into the wilderness, a place of solitude and silence. In, um, Matthew chapter 14. Again, Matthew's version of, of the death of John the Baptist. When Jesus hears this, he goes into a place of silence and solitude for the purpose of mourning. Jesus is going to mourn the death of his cousin. In Matthew chapter 14, verses, verse 23, he feeds 5,000 people. That miracle, right? Similar to the context of Mark 6. And after that intense, intense event, intense ministry, intense day at the job, intense week of work, intense labor, what does Jesus do? He finds rest. I just need to rest. In Matthew chapter 17, at the transfiguration, when when this glorious thing happens, he brings Peter, James, and John up on the mountain with them, and he takes them away to a secluded place so that this, this miraculous thing can happen. Intense ministry happening in a place of solitude, away from everybody else, with a few people, but away from everybody else. A place of solitude. Mark chapter 1, after a long season of work, and you can read all the things that are happening in Mark chapter 1, all the stories, all the healings, all the teachings. After a long day at work, after a long week, after a long month, after a long quarter, at the end of Q2, he gets together with his, with his team and his department, and he says, you know what we're going to do, guys? I'm just going to go away and rest for a minute. 
Luke chapter 5. A lot of pressure, a lot of demands. Rest and recovery. Matthew chapter 26. In the Garden of Gethsemane. What did Jesus do in the garden? He took his disciples with him, right? He knew what was coming. He knew the cross was coming. And what did he do with his disciples? He brought them with him to the entrance of the garden. He goes, okay, now I need you guys to stay right here. I need you to pray for me. I can't even make you, help you understand the depth of what's about to happen. So I just need you to pray and watch. Watch over me. I'm going to go into the garden a little farther in a place of solitude, silence by himself. And what does he do? Does he not wrestle with God the Father? If you can take this cup from me, don't miss Jesus in that moment struggling with what God has for him. He needed a place of silence. He needed a place of solitude where his disciples were backing him up, but he needed to be there by himself. And he wrestled with it. He's facing his own mortality. And he's trying to deal with it. And Jesus goes to a place by himself. I I just want us to understand and see and normalize the need for, for us to enter into silence and solitude. Because I think in our North American culture, when we say silence and solitude, what are we communicating to people? Lazy and you don't want to work. Right? Isn't that what our corporate North American work culture has taught us? That if you would even utter, I need a moment, Oh, then you're not committed. I need some time to rest. Oh, then you're not up for the job. I need some space to clear my thoughts. Oh, so you're easily confused. What has our culture been telling us? That when we try to seek silence and solitude, there's something wrong with us. And Jesus and the scriptures completely turns that around. In fact, did you catch... Did you catch the, uh, the, in Dan's scripture reading this morning from Psalm, the very, last phrase, the very last verse of that? Be still and know that I am God. Jesus set apart, set apart time to rest, set apart time to be silent, set apart time to have solitude because he knew the value of resting our heart and our soul and our spirit. There's no glory in being a workaholic and and there's no diminished leadership in taking time away, taking time for self and taking time to rest. Richard Foster, author of the book Celebration of Discipline, writes, inward solitude has outward results. Inward solitude has outward results. There is freedom to be alone Not in order to be away from people, but in order to hear the divine whisper better. Inward solitude has outward results in order to hear the divine whisper better. This is what it means to abide in Christ. To take time to be silent. To take time 
to be away. We need to be clear and honest with the seasons that we're in. If Jesus moved through this, if Jesus modeled this, if Jesus acted this way, why wouldn't we? And silence and solitude go, go hand in hand. It's not just that, that Jesus went away, but, but oftentimes he went away by himself into this, this time of, of silence and not speaking with other people. Just, just being by himself and quiet because silence provides us the opportunity to put us in a posture of listening. Silence gives us the opportunity to put ourselves in a posture of listening. How many of us, when we go to our, we call it some of us, our quiet time in prayer, how many of us spend our time in prayer just telling God everything that's on our list? And then when we're done telling him, we're done. And we move on for the day. We may have been in solitude, but have we been silent? Have we taken the time to put ourselves in a posture of just listening? God, what, what do you have for me? This, there's nothing wrong with the list. This is what I'm concerned about. This is what's going on in my family, my job, my kids, my school district. This is what's going on. I need your help. And then listen. Just listen to what he says. Let me share with you four practical ways. Four practical ways that, that, that you and I can both practice silence and solitude. Four practical ways. And this comes from, this comes from uh, Richard, Richard Foster's uh, book, Celebration of Discipline. Four, four simple things that we can do. Four simple things. First of all, find it in the everyday. Find your solitude and silence in the everyday. Foster writes, Consider the little solitudes of each day, the quiet early morning in bed before you even get up. Before you even get up, before you move, when your eyes, when your eyes open, before you even move, that little moment of quiet and solitude. Surrender it to God. Maybe it's with your cup of coffee in that chair that you set up for yourself. That quiet, that solitude. Maybe it's the solitude of the red light in your commute. Maybe it's at that red light, you turn the radio off. You unplug that aux cord from your phone and you just, you just listen in silence. Bring silence into those spaces. As you walk into the office from your parking spot, look at the beauty around you in nature. And in silence, and in that moment of solitude for your walk, surrender your day to God. Find it in the everyday. Second, create your own space. Create your own space. The, the thing about going away, the thing about the desolate place, the desert place, the solitude place, isn't about what it looks like. It's just that it's your place. You had a place to go. You have a place where you want to be. Create your own, creating our own space is a, is a powerful way to practice silence and solitude. In fact, when, when, uh, first of all, when this worship center was built, there, it was built, this, this footprint was built with a space 
for silence and solitude, a space for going away in prayer. Do we have that picture? We have that picture. There it is. This is the, the door of the prayer room that is directly behind this wall. When this footprint was built, when this space was built, that room was built for people to go and to pray. And, and I didn't realize it until this week when I came out of the room. Look at the reference, look at the plaque that's on it. Mark chapter 631 that we're using today. I'm telling you, I didn't pick the reference when I came out of the room. I'm just, it was coincidence. Come apart and rest. Find your own space. Create your own space. Don't try to make, now listen, don't try to make your space sacred. Don't chase the space. Chase Jesus. Don't try to make your space sacred, but understand that the sacred is found in whatever space you create. Right? This is what I was, this is what I meant when I was joking about this earlier this summer. You know, sometimes we get all caught up and we got the right chair and we got, this is my prayer throw and I've got to have the fireplace has to be on three and a half, not four, not three, three and a half. You know what I mean? And it's got to be just right. And I face the east window and like it doesn't, don't get caught up in creating the space. Get caught up finding Jesus. You want to have a great uh, throw? You want to have a pill? I don't care. That, that's fine. I'm just saying, just understand that's not sacred. Jesus is holy. Seek him in those moments and in those places. So let me ask you this. What does your space look like? What does your space look like? Think about it right now. What does your space look like? Third, quiet servitude. Quiet servitude. Now remember, uh, silence and solitude doesn't mean I always have to go away somewhere. It can happen by me taking time, maybe this week, maybe this week as I serve other people, I'm going to not talk as much and I'm going to listen more. I'm going to serve people in quiet. I'm going to serve you out of a posture of solitude. It's not about everybody else. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am gonna go to work this week and I'm going to make sure that in my work this week, I slow my thought processes down. I speak, I listen twice as much as I speak this week. And yet the words that I speak, I want them to be life. Quiet servitude. Now, some of us who talk like this and move like that, we got to rein it in a little bit. We got to downshift a little bit. And that's a good thing from time to time. Simply live life in a different gear for a week and listen to the people around you. Foster writes that the fruit of solitude is increased sensitivity and compassion for others. The fruit of solitude is increased sensitivity and compassion for others. So, who could we serve tomorrow without words? Without words. 
Who could we serve? In action, in deed, listening to the person that's in front of us. Who could we serve? Number four, a personal purposeful retreat. Another way that we can practice solitude and silence is to, to have a purposeful, uh, uh, personal purposeful retreat. I have a friend who um, almost once a year, almost once a year, will pack up his tent, throw it in the back of his pickup truck, and go find a campground and just pitch a tent for a few days away from his family. He just needs time. And, and, and he's very purposeful about it. It's not just I need to be away from my family for peace and the gift of peace and quiet, right? No, it's I need to be away. I need to be in silence and solitude because there are things I'm wrestling with God about. And I need this space to wrestle. And I think he's even said, I'm not coming home until I got some answers. He might still be out there. I'm not sure. but a personal space. I have another friend um, who is a church planter, bivocational church planter in, in, a, in New York City. And, and he, would, he would every year, every year take time away from his professional job and his church job and go to um, a, a, a monastic uh, uh, place, uh, a monastery, a monastery in upstate New York where he could just be quiet and find rest. And while he's there, the, the, the monks would, like part of the deal is like, you, you're there, but you also like have to participate like in, in the monk stuff, right? And so he's there, they, they've got like this goat farm. And so he's, imagine this, coming out of New York City to this monastic, play, this monastery up in upstate New York, not just finding rest, but oh yeah, bring your boots because now you got to work the goats. Change of pace change of work, change of location, silence, solitude, to listen. So what's your go-to place? What's yours? For me, for me, when I need that, when I need to just listen, even just for a moment or just to be quiet, um, one of my, I got, I got there's, there's three places. One, I'll go to the Erie sign. You know what I'm talking about? The Erie sign on, on First and Cherry Street. You know where I'm talking? The, you go to Cherry, you go all the way to the end. Like if you go any farther, you're dropping off the hill onto the bayfront. All right. And right there at, at the bottom of Cherry Street is this sign that says, it's this artistic sign that says Erie. And it overlooks the bay and the yacht clubs down there. And it really is a beautiful place to just go and sit and look at the peninsula and look at um, the bay. They got big swings there you can sit on and just be quiet. The other, the other place I like to go to is the, uh, uh, the East Pier. No, the West Pier. Which is it? West, East, West, North, South. East Pier. The East Pier on the peninsula, drive all the way out there, take a camp chair, pop it open, just relax. The third place I like, this is all like centered, you'll, get, you'll catch where it's at. Like it's all centered around, because uh, my third place is the dock. I like to go. Now, if you grew up in Erie, you know where I'm talking. If you didn't grow up in Erie, it's called Dobbins Landing now. I don't know. The dock. Remember how you used to tour the dock and the cars back in the day, right? I like to go down there and just sit 
look at the bay, look at the water, and just relax. Sometimes for just 20 minutes, sometimes for 10 minutes, just, just to find that. What's your space? What's yours? Now, I've been in this long enough to know that if I just leave you hanging right there, you're going to forget it and dismiss it, and you won't actually think about it. So for 10 seconds, 10 seconds, that's all I'm asking. 10 seconds. In silence and in personal solitude, I'm asking you to think about this. What is your go-away place? Think about it right now. Remember, the goal is to abide in Christ, to be at rest in him, to be connected to him. However you get there, whatever your silence and solitude looks like, it's fine. But just get there. Realize it's okay to just want peace and quiet. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Bob and Michael Benson in their book, Disciplines for the Inner Life, say this. This week, ask God to help you see the value of withdrawing unto him. Aloneness can be blessed when he is in it. It was the pattern of the master to withdraw for rest. And we need to enter into his rest. Aloneness can be blessed when he is in it. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we come to you as busy people who have a hundred things to do. We need 27 hours in a day to get them done. And we push and we strive and we struggle and then we wonder why am I so tired? Why am I so empty? Why is my spirit so dry? Why is it so hard to hear God? You've encouraged us over the last couple of weeks to simply abide in Christ to be people of the scriptures, to be people who are um, in worship together, to be people who are in prayer. And today, God, with us, would you allow us and help us to become people who are better and better day in, day out, year after year, better and better at silence and solitude. That we would find you, that we would posture ourselves to listen to the whisper 
of the divine. What would happen? God, what what would you say to us? What would we see? What would our vision from you be if we would find silence and solitude? It's in Christ's name we pray.